Hey everybody, welcome back to the Social Change Podcast. I'm Stuart Blake, and for this episode, we have a very, very special, special, special set of people that are willing to share a story that is going to be close to the hearts of many, and our very own Dean Tom Gregoire was there to facilitate this discussion. So as always, thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy this special episode, which is dedicated to LGBTQ History Month. Hi, everybody. I'm Tom Gregoire, the Dean of the College of Social Work, and welcome to the Coming Out podcast and to LGBTQ History Month. Today, we're sitting with a couple of friends who are going to share with us their story of coming out and what that was like, what happened, and, and what things are like now. So, so let me uh, ask our, uh, our friends to introduce themselves, and, and then we'll dive into our podcast. My name is Andrea Severson. I'm an instructor and an advisor in the College of Social Work. And I'm also the faculty advisor to our Out and Social Work group. My name is Adam Adams-Grooms. I'm the HR administrator here in the college. So uh, first question, and and, uh, whoever, and then the other. As you came out, what made that the right time? I graduated high school in the late 1980s with the accolades of biggest hair, and most likely to be married. And back in the time, being married meant I would marry a man. I had always had a high school boyfriend. I went on to the University of Wisconsin where I had a second boyfriend, and I was in a women's studies course. And one day, a panelist came in and simply expressed, you don't have to be with a man. And that was the moment for me where I thought, I I don't have to and I don't want to. And I didn't know the journey ahead, but I simply knew I wasn't going to be with a man anymore. Yeah, I think for me, um, throughout college, I had recognized some of these feelings like within, and I definitely did not vocalize it at all throughout my undergrad um, journey. But I think towards the end of my senior year was when I was really feeling a lot of feelings of graduation, of feeling just this like sense of kind of loss, like what am I going to do after graduation? And those feelings kind of brought out my desire to come out to one of my best friends. So um, she and I have very similar stories, and she's become my absolute best friend. I currently live with her. And I um, took her to like a conference room over in the Union, and I kind of just really really opened up to her and it was I'm not an emotional person at all so I had broken down and kind of came out to her and it was a flood of relief and all these different feelings and it was an incredible moment and from that it's been a journey ever since every month come out to someone new or different group of people or I'm constantly coming out to different people Mm -hmm. and um yeah so And for both of you, as you told the story, and Andrea in particular, but also Adam, uh, there's a quality of uh, coming out to yourself first. So how did that happen? How how did it happen? How was that? Yeah, I think for me, in the time period that I was growing up in, there were no examples that I saw on television, movies, Um, I did not know anyone who was LGBTQ um, at all, Um, and there was always this kind of narrative in my life where I was always with a man who was wonderful to me, and at the same time was very close with a female best friend 
who um, always I had a relationship with, but I didn't know what, what that was. So I think when you, um, for me, when, when I came out to myself, it was, I don't fit into this narrative of what LGBTQ looks like. Mm-hmm. So it was terrifying. I didn't have a lens of what does it mean to feel attracted toward a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I only knew what attraction to a man looked like. So it felt very terrifying and very isolating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think I had definitely recognized it early on that I had like attraction to like men, and I think it was a really difficult conversation to have with myself or something Mm -hmm. that I, it definitely took me a while to do even as I was realizing it myself during college. And it's interesting because I was in a um, musical theater organization here at Ohio State, which is a very, um, very great safe place for the LGBTQ community. Um, It's very full (laughs) of LGBTQ community. And um, I still didn't feel... um, comfortable enough or safe enough to kind of come out even in that environment because I hadn't really had that conversation with myself or that I hadn't really made those decisions in my head that like oh this is it didn't really click in my head yet because I didn't I didn't invest any time towards that part of myself to sit down and say this is this is what's going on this is what I need to kind of go forward and make that call and Adam you already talked a little bit about who you chose to come out to first Talk a little bit more, both of you, maybe about that decision um, and how that went. For me, since I was in a relationship with a with a man, I called him. He was spending his summer in Chicago, and I said, "You need to come up right away to Madison. I need to to talk with you." Um, at the time, my my boyfriend's best friend was gay, so that was part of his own narrative. He was very open and accepting but he wasn't expecting his uh, girlfriend, who he was likely going to marry, to tell him that she was coming out and and was gay. So that was the first person that I told, and I think after I told him, I told many of my college friends, Mm -hmm. and in doing so, um, I lost a significant portion of of those friends. They simply uh, couldn't understand it, and I was someone who was least likely to be gay to them, and I think it was a shocking turn of events for them that they couldn't recover. And so I I lost all friends and then was trying to rapidly gain friendships through the newly LGBTQ community that I was joining. Wow. Um, yeah, I think I had a different experience. I think I had a lot of privilege in this the community that I was in um, and that I did feel comfortable enough as it, it definitely took a minute to kind of get comfortable and get the gears kind of turn into, now it's kind of just second nature of, and I can be, um, I can kind of better embrace myself, but it definitely took a while to get that going. And I think I definitely ended up coming out to like a lot of my friends, maybe like once, like once a week, kind of to a different friend, kind of in passing, like at lunch or kind of thing. And it always was such a fantastic experience. Um, and I was very privileged and lucky to have those kind of experiences. And only just recently, probably in June, did I come out to my family, who I'm, I'm not terribly close with. Um, that was a different experience in that I didn't um, come out to them in person because I didn't feel comfortable enough to come out to them in person. Um, I had made a post, a very public post on Facebook, and I remember my stepmom had texted me saying that my dad was upset that I 
upset with me because not because I was gay, but because I hadn't felt comfortable enough mm-hmm. to come to him, mm-hmm. and that he would need some time, which kind of ticked me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But because I was like, this is my story, my narrative, and it should be how I want to process things. And mm-hmm. um, but I did understand where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a variety of coming out. And Andre and I were just talking earlier how you're constantly coming out to people every time you meet. So mm-hmm. it's a it's never just a one time thing. You know, it occurs to me that uh, there's almost a generation between the eras in which you have come out, and I have shared with you both a story of an elderly relative who came out at 92 years old, and, and so I've reflected a lot on growing up in his time. Uh, he, he became aware of his uh, his orientation, his attractions in the 1930s, and so um, you could make the case that we've come a long way but not that we're not done. There's actually no finish line in, in, in creating a safe and inclusive society. Um, how do you experience Andrea society today versus uh, a few years ago? I recently read a post by the author Elizabeth Gilbert, and she had been in a female relationship um, for about two years before her partner died. And she talked a lot about the privilege that she was able to live a very out and proud life um, with the relationship she had because of all the people who walked before her. And I certainly um, say that's true for my experience as well, that I wouldn't have come out in 1990 had it not been for all the people who walked before me. And I think these days I see both um, the positives of you know your my own daughter at age 13 knowing she can be with a woman, she can be with a man, she can be with no one if she chooses. It's a choice. Um, and I also see students who currently um, are coming out and unfortunately are losing their, their relationship with their parents um, predominantly. So I think that we are gaining a ton of traction and we have a lot of work ahead too. Mm-hmm. So as you come out to people, uh, well, let's think about the first one, but then about others. What did you want from that person? And I'm going to qualify that before I do that. So um, this day, this month always means a lot to me, but the, the day means a lot to me too because uh, 18 years ago on National Coming Out Day, my son came out to me at 18 years old. And he didn't tell me anything I didn't already knew, but it was, you know, it, it, in the course of our lives together, uh, there's just a handful of moments you really never, never forget. And uh, I've often... I anticipated that day, hoping it would come, and thought a lot about what what would he need from me and what might I be for him, and hopefully I was. But uh, to people like me, to allies, to parents, to friends who might be listening, what do you want and need from somebody when you come out to them? Yeah, I think it's such an incredible moment when you come out to someone, for the, especially for the first time, and then after that, it's, it, 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 it loses its... They, especially for me, someone for the first time. But that first time, it's such an incredible moment. And I, I think people that are getting come out too, I think they should definitely realize how incredibly special that is, and that how trusting, how much trust is involved, how much love is involved in that situation. And I think even for like parents, I think it's important to note that like even in a loving family like it could still be a diff- such a difficult thing to do and i know so um my mom was lesbian uh, was a lesbian so like i grew up with this kind of 
interesting spin on the LGBTQ community. It was just part of normal life. My mom had a long-term girlfriend after my um, parents like split up, so I'm still close to her to this day. And so that was kind of like normalized to me growing mm-hmm. up. And I kind of like had feelings in high school of like attraction and to men. And I think she always kind of knew I was mm-hmm. gay. But, like, I still had never mentioned anything to her, and even though I knew she was also gay. Um, so that, I feel like, is such a, like, I should have felt comfortable, but it wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my biggest regrets is not coming out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think to, she would have been... To your mom. To my mom, yeah. So mm-hmm. the first, she would probably be the first person that I would have went to once I felt ready and kind of regret it. Yeah, for our listeners, so you lost your mom a few years ago. Yeah, my senior year of high school. Sorry about that. When I listen to you, Adam, and when I think about your question, Tom, I think about how important it is to simply bear witness to the struggle and um, champion also the happiness that you're choosing to share. I think that I wanted to feel seen because so many of us don't fit into this kind of cookie-cutter stereotype of what it means to be LGBTQ. So I wanted to be seen for who I was and for who I love, and I wanted that love to be equal. And I also wasn't close at all with my parents, and and I'm still not. But when I did tell my parents uh, that I was gay, my father did say, don't bring someone home until I've done some work. Because when they do come home, I want to be ready and equal in my love for them as I am for your brother's wife. What could your experience teach others, particularly those who are contemplating their own decision? I often think about the idea that there is no one way to be. There is no one narrative. I think it's a lifelong journey for us to embrace our narrative, share our narrative, and not have others author our own story. So that would be, for me, one of the most powerful things I could share with someone. Mm -hmm. And it's this notion of choose happiness. And at times, you can't choose your happiness. You have to choose your own safety and make that decision for yourself. Ditto. That's perfect. Well, I want to thank you, um, for the for the experience of sharing in the podcast, but just the courage you have as as leaders in this community, um, as we alluded to, you know, we've come a long way, and we can't stop, you know, it, because at the same time, as we're coming a long way, uh, there's also great pushback in society um, that we need to not uh, not lay down for. We need to stand up for that. I'm happy to have you in a community. Uh, like the College of Social Work, like the Ohio State University in Columbus, where it's it's pretty uh, supportive and uh, embracing. And I'm happy to stand with you as we move things forward as well, too. So I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Coming Out podcast. Uh, whether you are contemplating coming out, have come out, or an ally, uh, I wish you peace and courage. And uh, to all of us, I would say nobody has to be afraid of who we are. You've been listening to another episode of the Social Change Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and be sure to visit us on the web at csw.osu.edu or on all social media channels at OSU CSW.